This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Hello, everyone. This is the second part of episode with Nora and Gareth. It is probably useful to listen to the first episode as we are building upon that. So, Gareth and Nora, what is the new approach that you are presenting in your paper for validity of qualitative research? Yeah, I I think the first important thing to say is that this is actually not a new approach. Like we have offered our interpretation, but we are absolutely building upon this uh, this research literature that has been there for several decades already. But what we find quite interesting is that it hasn't really been so much addressed or taken up in in discussions when we look at the sport and exercise and physical activity context. So we wanted to bring these ideas up and and then we wanted to kind of offer our interpretation of that and how we think these these ideas can be valuable. So to build up on on what we have discussed, so when we look at the relativist approach, we can see that there is a difficulty in terms of you have several different interpretations. How are you going to uh, make a judgment between them? So if you have five different interpretations, how are you going to go about which one of these is going to feature in your in your research account? And so one of the scholars from the realist approach who's who's done a lot of lot of work and published extensively on this is Maxwell. Um, his paper on validity of qualitative research was published in 1992 already, I think. And and it's cited extensively, uh, not in sport as an exercise and physical activity as much, but elsewhere, absolutely. So I think the main idea that comes through and, and what is relevant for this realist approach or what is central to that is that validity is not really in the procedures. So whether you have done member checking and, and interrate the reliability and whether you've done certain procedures, but but it's really a question about how well your account or, or your explanation helps us to understand the phenomenon that that we want to study. So if we put it in very simple terms, we can ask questions about what might be the possible ways that we have been wrong in in our account. So for example, have we misunderstood what our participants have told us? That was one aspect that was already discussed by Gareth. Um, Have we forgotten about something? If we were doing an ethnographic study and we have done extensive observations, have we done our, our notes soon enough that maybe there was something going on and we just forgot about it? Um, is there something, some holes in our theory? Uh, does it work as an explanation? Are there other theories that can actually help uh, to build a more comprehensive picture of, of what is going on? So kind of the starting point is not that certain procedures make 
your account more valid. Like certainly procedures and different things you do will help you to address validity, but it's the underlying principle is that we have to constantly think about how we might be wrong and what are the different levels in our research where we might have gone wrong. And so just to pass it on to Garrett, so we in, in the paper we drew on Maxwell, but then we had uh, three, uh, three other concepts that we use, which are ontological plausibility, empirical adequacy, and, and practical utility. So maybe, Gareth, if you want to tackle those, so I can pass it on to you. Yeah, yeah. And just to build on that, I think it's, uh, I think our approach is really to, again, sit in the, in the middle, in a way, of the two extremes. So we talked at the start, uh, in, the, in the first part of this podcast about the scientific objective idea correspondence theory of truth that that you know we can we can get to the the, the truth of the matter and, and our science can do that and the other end of the spectrum being this relativist idea that there are multiple truths we can never know we, can, we can't differentiate between different interpretations of the truth and we kind of sit in between okay so uh, i think the the, the the objective version of truth and thinking we have found it is a valuable goal. We, we retain that as being valuable, but it's too ambitious. Okay, it's it's it's, it's too ambitious that there's so much that we deal with in qualitative research that um, we're probably not going to be able to to verify in, in, a, in a in a simple, straightforward way. But that doesn't mean we have to give up on the idea of 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 searching for that idea of truth. So I see truth and validity as being, like you said, kind of concepts that are that are things that you can be a kind of guiding star that you work towards, but in the full knowledge that you're you're never actually going to get there. But the fact that you're trying to work towards it gives you this um, gives you this idea that that, that that some are better than others by virtue of being closer. So what do you do then? So you've got that as a as a kind of principle there. But given that it's too ambitious to to to, to think about reaching the ultimate truth and, and and to have this finalizing idea that you've actually achieved it what else can be there that guides you so these three concepts that um that we presented in the paper are kind of indicators that you are that that some interpretations are better than, than others so these kind of indicators then help you differentiate um, between interpretations and possibly even rule out uh, for the most part, some some interpretations as well. So these were ontological plausibility. So is your research claim about the real world, is it plausible? Okay, so even though you may not be able to sort of reach out and touch it, does it seem to make sense? Is it coherent in terms of an, an argument? Might it does it need to be there in order for what you see to um, to actually manifest in in the real world? So is it is it is it plausible? I think that's uh, that's the, um, the the first idea. And and we draw on Pascal. We probably don't have time to kind of go into that a little bit. Uh, that kind of helped us to, to to think through different layers of this this thing that we call reality in terms of this uh, ontological state it's it's very being when you make a statement about its being and its existence you might not actually be able to get there but but is your account of it plausible 
So it's a kind of a logical way of, of thinking through it, and you do need to be kind of rational and, and engage in a thinking process to, to differentiate what is what is uh, more ontologically plausible and, and what is not. The second of these concepts would be empirical adequacy. So this works on the idea of essentially data. Do you have enough data to make the claim that you are making? Have you gathered enough evidence? Um, this may be a various combination of um, how many people have you spoken to to make this uh, to, to make to, to make a claim uh, about these people. Let's say, um, uh, let's say if you're if if you're talking to girls in a secondary school around their experiences of physical education, if you've only uh, you, you want to know something about how their P curriculum is you go there and only speak to uh, one girl and you make a judgment about the rest of the girls and the whole curriculum based on that that one person's experience that might not be considered um, to be empirically adequate obviously you're not undermining anything about that one girl's experience but if you're trying to say something about the curriculum and the PE teacher and the school then you're going to need some more um, information there and is there other evidence that you've tried to get at, which actually offers an alternative view? Okay, so have you have you actually attempted to um, gather more data, which which can um, refute or help you refine your your research claim that you're making? So there's this empirical idea, which is this quite quite sort of scientific, really. And the last one is. Uh, the last of these three concepts is practical utility. Now, this has kind of got a pragmatist stance to it. Uh, the idea that, well, it, it's it's so difficult to verify and to get to this idea of a of an objective truth. Maybe we need to think about uh, truth and our research findings not as attempts to describe the world perfectly but as a way of intervening in the world, a way of making decisions practically around what to do in the world. Okay, so if your research claim means that, let's say, for example, that the, uh, I mentioned the girl's experience of physical activity in schools. So if your research claim says, okay, the um, PE teacher needs to uh, give the pupils more choice, okay? Because uh, we've spoken to the, the girls, and and we believe that they want more choice and and empowerment in the decisions of uh, what they do in 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 physical education and school sport. Then that's a research claim that you're making. If that can be put to practical use, and the uh, PE teacher um, and the the school can provide more choice. And that actually then makes a difference to their ways of being and their experience of physical education. Then I think you can have more confidence that your research claim about choice um, is is more valid than 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 a research claim that, that doesn't talk about choice. So rather than just being an interpretation that doesn't make doesn't even make a difference to the real world, then um, uh, it, it, it it goes beyond that. And and it's it's a way of giving you an indicator again that that your approach is more valid. So we have this ontological idea, which is probably the the, the most realist 
uh, in terms of our understanding of critical realism. This empirical idea, which is probably the most scientific, um, uh, observational idea that we're drawing on, and this uh, uh, practical adequacy, um, uh, sorry, practical utility, so that, which is probably the most pragmatist. So bringing them all in together as useful concepts to let you judge whether you've uh, whether your research claims are more or less valid. Yeah, very, very good discussions. And if I try to summarize a bit here, Nora was going that validity is not in the procedures, but how much it helps to understand the phenomenon. And it's important to think that how we might be wrong. And then Gareth went with the three things that is it ontologically plausible? Does it, does it make sense? And then second, you said that Do you have enough evidence? Have you tried to refute your claim? And then about, I think, a really good point about practical utility, that if it makes a difference in the world, you you, are, you have a more claim to say it's it's more valid. Did I got this about right? And would you like to add something to this? That's exactly right. You should have described it from the start. That was perfect. Yeah, thanks. Uh, so, so what what do you see next for this approach, and how has the paper have been received? Would you like to go first, Gareth? Yeah. So, uh, since I suppose Nora and I met at the the qualitative research and sport and exercise conference in Vancouver, um, I don't think there's been a time where we've not been working on a uh, a paper or project together. So for example, right now, we just had a, a paper published a couple of weeks ago. Um, we have another one in review and uh, we are writing um, a, another one as well. So kind of this this ongoing idea does seem to, to, to keep on going. And one of the reasons for that, I think, is not only have we been enthusiastic working together, but also because we have, uh, from my perspective anyway, received a lot of positive uh, response and lots of people have reached out to us uh, after publishing this work um, and saying they're sort of using it, they found it really interesting. Um, and, you know, I, I'm quantitatively, I'm not sure how to say lots of people have reached out because I don't have a huge amount of uh, benchmarking to go from. But uh, compared to my other papers, I've certainly received um, a lot more um, interest in this area than in others. So because of that, I've kind of been um, enthused and energized and keen to, to, to keep going and finding new ideas and new uh, new concepts to, to deal with as this kind of... Uh, approach builds and uh yeah so part of that is is getting some feedback from peer review as well so you, you get a good amount of critical engagement and a good amount of discussion with reviewers sometimes and that has been a, an interesting experience partly because you get some people who are who uh think this is fantastic and and novel and uh, encourage and give you some constructive comments other people who who are on the the, the polar opposite and And disagree with the arguments fundamentally, and 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 don't uh, and think there are there are big issues with it and big and big problems with with our arguments uh, within it. So we have experienced kind of different views through the peer review 
process uh, and that has been challenging at times. But then after papers have been published, there's uh, certainly experienced a, a, a good amount of positive response, which, which has meant we've kind of wanted to carry on and, uh, and, and do, uh, apply the same ideas to a range of different aspects of doing qualitative research. Is that about right, Nora? Yeah, I mean, we had a little bit of a bumpy road with the with the paper that we are talking about now. So at first, it was it was rejected in in one journal, and and you could see that uh, the reviewers were looking at that were most likely working within a relativist perspective themselves. Whereas then, kind of in the second review, we had uh, at least one of the reviewers was certainly working within this realist perspective as well, and so. I think the point that is often made about the politics and how research is not just a, not a neutral um, endeavor, but it's also about people's identity as a qualitative researcher, it's about the politics of, of qualitative research and research more broadly in the society and what gets funded and, and what is dominant and, and at the time. So these kind of things always also have an impact on on how work is received. I guess some of the feedback that I got was that that, that was quite brave from us to <laughs> present these ideas that, that seemed to be a little bit going against the grain. And uh, well, that is the point of doing this also. Like we have already said that we have like huge respect for the scholars whose work we are looking into and kind of looking at some of the problems of relativist approach as it comes through in these these key texts in qualitative research. But so having having this critical engagement is something that we hope that will help all of us develop our thinking. And I certainly don't think that we have propose the answer and this is it. No, this is how we are thinking about this at the moment and, and we need that critical feedback and, and to develop our thinking and that's something that we are also doing at the moment in some of our work in progress. We are trying to look at how these ideas might be used in, in, in data analysis uh, phase of, of a qualitative research project. Yeah, I would also add that it is yeah on a, on a we've talked about the arguments, but on a personal level, I suppose it has actually been quite uncomfortable at at, at some points to be making these kind of these arguments because we are uh, you know embodied beings wrapped up in our own identities and and we do care what people think about us as researchers doing uh, doing science. Uh, we're not just these kind of machine like machine like beings doing some objective work so it has been operating in, in an uncomfortable space but ultimately I think the motivations and the desire to to put these arguments forward outweighed the concerns and, and issues that that we had circulating here in our minds while while going through this work so it's definitely been a an interesting an interesting road and um uh, and it, it's certainly I'd say been been worth it to put these ideas forward but just to kind of come up with another idea on what you've uh, what you mentioned about us not thinking that this is the final and correct way of, of, of doing it I think it's a that's a nice way of, of seeing what actually what we believe around validity so if you were to apply these same concepts to uh, the paper that we 
that we published. You might think, uh, is, are the arguments in this paper valid or not? How valid are these, these arguments or is our point of view? And you might be able to think, well, uh, in, in making that judgment and how valid it is, you might think, uh, does it have ontological plausibility? So you might need to think through the logic of what it is saying, it is, is being said. You might also say, is it empirically adequate? So have we looked at enough of the, the um, relativist papers in order, to, in order to, to put our point across? So we looked at three papers, for example. Is that enough? Is that enough uh, data? Have we, have we uh, uh, misrepresented in some way what other people have been saying? And finally, is there any practical utility to, to our paper? So does it mean that we actually do something differently as as a result when we do research activities or is it just simply another perspective which doesn't actually make any practical difference in the real world so you could almost um get other people to uh, uh, to, to to look at that paper and you know it's a objective artifact now so we can do the same thing um and, and look at it ourselves and say how how valid is, is the argument presented in this paper i think that's really as a community what um research is about to really get put ideas out there to get them competing and to have them have them challenged and the more robust ideas should hopefully come forward in the end yeah and also maybe starting to round up i think in a bigger picture of qualitative research what what we are seeing perhaps is some fragmentation of 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 the qualitative research community that people are doing different things that I'm I'm doing relativist approach and that person is doing a realist approach and and we kind of all reside in different paradigms and we have our own communities where we discuss and and develop ideas and I think even if qualitative research is now kind of established that it's you don't get these questions about whether there's a, any value I still think that it's so important for us as a community not to go into our own pockets and doing our own thing in in our own own paradigm but to really to have these debates and and try to look into each other's arguments and try to find some common ground that these are some of the things that we can accept and that seems plausible and that seems so kind of our what we are putting forth is something that we believe that these are probably some of the valuable ways of thinking about qualitative research. And we are welcoming critique from anyone in in whichever type of <laughs> qualitative research they are doing so that we can grow and develop and, and come up with better ideas. Absolutely. And if uh, anyone is interested in what we've been talking about today, I suppose, it's useful to mention the other papers where, we, where we've been talking a little bit around the same discussions. Um, so I wrote a, a paper, sole author paper myself, called uh, A Case for Critical Realism in Pursuit of Interdisciplinarity and Impact. That was in 2018. We've written this, this paper on validity together. Um, so this building on the same kind of line of argument. And we recently published um, a paper on mixed methods with the brilliant Tatiana uh, Rubia and um, Julian North. And we also have some other work in, in progress as well around 
uh, analysis in qualitative research. So, and on top of that's just the things that that we've been involved in. But obviously, within those papers, I think anyone interested can can look at the citations, look who we're building on, the people with much more experience um, and. Uh, and, and and publications in this area than us. You can see the authors that we're that we're drawing on. I can go and do some further reading on these issues. So I think really um, through doing that, anyone interested in this approach and the arguments that we've presented, you'll be able to see a, a wealth of literature which which can support any um, ongoing thinking and any confusions that people are trying to work through um, in ways that is frankly quite it's quite difficult to describe in a in a, in a podcast so some dedicated space in those papers hopefully will be useful resources for anyone else wishing to learn about the approach yeah very very good points we will have the links to those publications in the in the show notes so and and you are for the open research community that would be critical and approach and i i think that's important for for science to prosper we need to be critical that's the whole idea of peer review and science itself so before we wrap up would you like to tell about your new project that you you are working on nora would you like to go first on this one yeah i i guess just briefly on gareth has already mentioned that uh so one of the things that we have been working on uh, which is now in the review process we have been trying to think through thematic analysis and um, and a realist version on 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 thematic analysis and and what you see is that brown and clark which is the vastly cited ex- extensively cited um, uh, authors who have developed thematic analysis and and their more recent work is is moving towards this more relativist understanding of of thematic analysis and how you might evaluate uh, the quality of, of of thematic analysis work as well. So we are drawing on some of these ideas that we have talked about today about validity, and we have been thinking about what a realist version of thematic analysis might look like. And um, we are thinking about these different levels of themes uh, how you develop your themes, um, how you arrive at explanations, and how you are checking against these ways that you might be going wrong. But so, yeah, that paper is still in the review process, so we can maybe talk about that when it hopefully comes out. Yeah, so Nora and Garrett, it has been very interesting discussions about the validity of, of qualitative research and, and I think it's very important work you're doing. So thank you for taking the time for this podcast. Thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, really a pleasure. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Research through Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be great help for us we have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes so be sure to tune in thank you all for your support and have a great day